0: Everyone. This is David opposing the matrix. How are you? It is the 6th of October 2020 at approximately 10.01 p.m. Pacific time. Yes, on the left coast, it's 10.01. Um, on the east coast, it's what, uh, 1.01 a.m. tomorrow. So uh, on the two communist coasts, it's uh, there's three hours difference. And if you live in the middle, well, you do the math. Anyway, um wow 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 folks what a bunch of stuff going on. Um first and foremost I'm announcing that there's uh, gonna be a few changes coming to opposing the matrix and I'm not gonna go into those changes tonight. We'll still be doing the show on Monday nights. Uh lineup might be a little different, but um uh, we will still be here to do a show most of the time, two hours, and we will um, try to be as forthright as we've always been. And well, that's that's all I'm going to say about that right now. Okay, we're not going anywhere. Um, we're still going to be here, and just a um, a few changes that uh, that are coming down the pike. Okay, nothing to get worried about. Nothing to be concerned about. Um, tonight I want to talk about something that's really close to my heart. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever even heard of, uh, the country of Armenia or who Armenians are. Um, I found out early in life about Armenians, um, my dad's cousin, yeah, I got that right. His, his mother's sister's daughter okay so she's my cousin you know when you get into you go back a couple or three generations it really gets hard to classify like like your uh you have your great-grandfather but his brother was he your great-granduncle you know so it's uh and then when you get into the twice remove and three times remove stuff forget it you know i'd rather go by third fourth fifth sixth seventh cousin stuff like that anyway um I guess I could mention his name. He's long gone. And so is she. Uh, I do have a cousin out there uh, that they had. I won't mention his name because I don't want to get him involved in this. Uh, even though it's, there's nothing for him to worry about. You know, you don't bring people into a conversation unless you get their permission. Okay. Uh, or unless they're public figures. And that way, the, the fact that they wanted to become a public figure makes them fair game. Um, uh, Anyway, uh, so my it would be my second cousin, Doris, married a guy named Charlie Garabedian. Now, the rule goes that if you hear a name, a last name, and it's, it ends in Ian, like Garabedian, or if it ends in Y-A-N, like uh, Kirkoyan, it's usually from Armenian extract. Okay. There was a famous airplane designer and I cannot remember my name, his name to, to save my life. Um, but he, uh, he was Armenian. He designed several uh, aircraft for the Soviet union that were formidable aircraft of, of their time. And, uh, you know, like I said, he was Armenian and I don't think Armenia got the, uh, the credit for what he gave to, uh, you know, what it gave to the Soviet union. But, um, it's always the, the little countries that in those kind of despot uh, situations that uh, get the short end of the stick. Well, anyway, uh, a little history lesson. Um, back before 1917, there was an entity that existed for a few hundred years called the Ottoman Empire. It was Islamic and Islamic Empire, and it comprised most of the Middle East and. Um, North Africa, parts of North Africa, Egypt, and stuff like that. And as a result of them being in an alliance with the Germans in World War One, when the Germans lost, the uh, the Ottoman Empire was broken up. The, the British basically took over a lot of that land. The French took over Lebanon and Syria, I believe. Uh, the British got uh, what they called Palestine uh, and Egypt. Uh, the British always had control of Egypt, actually, and, um, well, I'm thinking about before World War Two. Uh, before World War One, they did not. Anyway. Um, so uh, back around the end of uh, the war, 1917 or 1918, I guess the Turks figured that uh, they had to take it out on somebody. Right. Uh, the Turks are very prideful people. And I'm not saying that in a good sense of the word prideful uh very arrogant uh they're known. they're known for their ferocity in fighting as a matter of fact when they were in korea um, representing nato as nato fighters uh, they were they were really seen as being mshugina they uh you know if if you ever watched the there was an episode of mash that was on years ago where um a uh, uh a fighter from um oh from from turkey was injured and uh and he was masugana crazy and he wanted to uh go back to the war and kill more chinese and he called them Chinli, you know Chinlis. anyway um uh, so the turks anybody that ever came up against the turks knew that they, they didn't they didn't play fair they never have played fair And they're even going to not play fair in the future because they're going to be one of the nations or several parts of Turkey are going to come against Israel in um, the Ezekiel 38-39 war, which we'll we'll get into in a little while. But um, anyway, uh, so the Turks have been ferocious. Now, in 1917, anywhere from 1916 to 1920, uh, the Turks decided that, hey, you know, they're I I can't get into the mind of Turks because I'm not Meshuggah. okay? but my my feeling is they felt, hey, we lost this war. We got to take it out on somebody. And we lost it to Christians, basically, because back then most of the nations of Europe, the United States were considered Christian nations. And uh, so they decided that they were going to go out and kill a bunch of Christians. And of course, they couldn't come against the British and they couldn't come against the French because they were major powers after the war. So, what did they do? They go after the weak person the the smaller countries, the ones that can't defend themselves now uh bear in mind that this is about the time of the uh the communist revolution, which was in nineteen seventeen in the Soviet Union or actually in Russia which became the Soviet Union and uh the Soviets had not yet built up to what they were were going to build up to in the future, therefore, they could not come to the aid of Armenia. Um, and nor would do I think that they would have because uh, the Russians were Bolsheviks or excuse me, the, commun- <laughs> the Soviets were Bolsheviks and uh, they were anti-religion. Uh, religion was the opiate of the people, supposedly to them. So that's one of the first things they tried to eradicate. in Russia was the religious people, uh, meaning Christians and Jews. Uh, Jews fared fairly well at the beginning of the uh, Soviet Union because they stayed apolitical for the most part. Um, Even though Marx was uh, was Jewish and he wrote the Communist Manifesto, the Jews kind of just kind of stayed out of it. Uh, Well, I guess Trotsky was also Jewish if you think about it. But uh, anyway, he ended up having to flee for his life and he was executed, um, assassinated in Mexico City, of all places married to a unibrow named uh, Frida Kahlo, um, whose picture is plastered all over Mexico City. And I don't know what the the Mexicans in Mexico City think of Frida Kahlo or why they venerate her, but I don't know. Uh, I guess that's another story for another day. But uh, So anyway, let's continue on. So the Turks figured they had to take it out on somebody. So, uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that during that time, 1917, around that area, era, um the Spanish flu was raging around the world, of course, and, uh, and killing, you know, millions upon millions of people. Uh, they didn't have the aseptic technique that we have today. They didn't, you know, washing hands was not a popular thing to do, except in the Jewish community, which fared very well during the, the, the uh, the flu outbreak. Um, but, um Anyway, uh, so what happened was that the Turks wanted vengeance and they committed a, atrocities. Uh, I'm just going to say genocide against the Greeks, Greek Christians, because is, Greece is right next to Turkey. And also the Armenians, because uh, Armenia is next to Turkey. And um, also the Assyrians. Um, the Assyrians are, were an interesting people because they... Uh, they were an off branch of Syria, of course, since the Syrians were always, uh, and Assyria was always a foe of Israel. But uh, after the death of Yeshua, um, you know, centuries went by and, uh, the Assyrians are Christianized. Um, they became a big Christian community in the, the north part of the, uh, Western or excuse me, Eastern Mediterranean. Um, so, and I don't know how many millions were killed, but, um, Let's see. I have it called up here. Um, A a little bit about the history of Armenia and uh, let's see. That's the map. That's not what I want. History of Armenia. Um, Interestingly enough, Armenia is one of the first countries, if not the first to become a. Well, it says in 301 A.D., Armenia became the first nation to adopt Christianity as a state religion. So basically, they beat out the Romans and, and everything else. Um, uh, 301 is, is pretty early in the history of the church. Uh, the, the adopted Christianity as state religion amidst the long-lasting geopolitical rivalry of the re- over the region. Uh, and I'm reading this from Wikipedia, and I know it's accurate because I've studied this history. So, um, if established, if established a church. That today exists independently of both the, uh, it established a church of both the, independent of both the Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches, having become so in 451 AD after having rejected the Council of Chalcedon. Uh, the Armenian Apostolic Church is part of the Oriental Orthodox Communion, uh, not to be confused with the Eastern Orthodox Communion. Uh, the first Catholic Catholicos, and basically Catholic means holy. Okay, so it's, it's basically saying the first saints of the Armenian church were St. Gregory the, the Illuminator because his belief he was persecuted by the pagan king of Armenia who was punished by being thrown in a uh, korvirap in uh, modern-day Armenia. Uh, being thrown in kor, I don't know what that is. Okay. I'll be honest, I don't know what that is, Korv Um He uh, acquired the title Illuminator because the illuminated, he illuminated the spirits of the Armenians by introducing Christianity to them. Before this, the dominant religion among the Armenians was Zoroastrianism. It seems that the Christianization of Armenia by the Arasids of Armenia was partly in defiance of the Sassanids. Uh, okay, sorry. Um, in 405 to 406, Armenia's political future seemed uncertain. With the help of the king of Armenia, uh, Mesrop Mashtots created a unique alphabet to suit the people's needs. It says citation needed, but I've read that before in other places, so I'm, I'm saying that that's right. By doing so, he ushered in a new golden age and strengthened Armenia's national identity. After years of rule, the uh, Arasid dynasty fell in 428 and Eastern Armenia being subject subjugated to Persia and Western Armenia to Rome. In the 5th century, the Sassanid Shah Yazdegerd II. And for, forgive me, folks, if I murder names, I'm sorry, but I think I got that word the Yazdegerd II. Uh, tried to tie his Christian, his Christian Armenian subjects more closely to the Sassanid Empire by reimposing Zoroastrian religion. Uh, the Armenians greatly resented this. And if you ever read Armenians, you'll realize what that means. And I'll explain in a few minutes. Um, and as a result, a rebellion broke out with, uh, Vartan Mamoykan, no, excuse me, Mamikoyan as the leader of the rebels. Yazdirigurd thus, uh, massed his army and sent it to Armenia where the Battle of Avaryar took place in 451. The 66,000 Armenian rebels, mostly peasants, lost their morale when Mamokian died in the battlefield. They See, that's what was neat about battle back then. The kings went out and fought. They didn't sit in offices like they do nowadays. Uh, they believed in something. They went and fought for it. Um, they were substantially outnumbered by the 180,000 to 100, 220,000 strong Persian army of immortals and war elephants. Uh, despite being a military defeat, the Battle of Avarir um and a subsequent guerrilla war in Armenia eventually resulted in the Treaty of Navarsk um in four hundred eighty four which guaranteed religious freedoms to Armenians. So we have a country that was one of the first countries to adopt uh Christianity, which I think is pretty awesome actually. And even today, um, you know, well I'll go into my friends here in a few minutes, uh Armenians uh are very proud that uh they were the first um uh, country that called itself a Christian country. And I've been to Armenian churches too the Armenian Orthodox church. You know, it's not my cup of tea, but I, I really respected it. I didn't understand a word of it, (laughs) but, um, it was, it was a basic Orthodox service. I've been to Catholic churches. I've been to uh, Greek Orthodox churches and, and basically it was very similar. Um, but, uh, they have a reverence for God. That's um, that's very interesting and, and um uh, Okay, I want to go into the uh the genocide real quick here. Um, and it was from nineteen fifteen to nineteen twenty one. Um, let's see, in nineteen fifteen the Ottoman Empire systematically carried out the Armenian genocide. This was preceded by a wave of massacres in the years. 1894 and 1896, and another one in 1909 in Adana. Adana is a, a large city in Armenia. Uh, Armenia today. Uh, tw- on 24th of April 1915, Ottoman authorities rounded up, arrested, and deported 235 to 270 Armenian intellectuals and community leaders from Constantinople and the region uh, to the region of Ankara, uh, where a majority of, of them were murdered. The genocide was carried out during and after World War I and implemented in two phases, the wholesale killing of the able-bodied male population through massacre and subjugation of army conscripts uh, to forced labor, followed by the deportation of women, children, elderly, and infirm uh, on the death marches leading to the Syrian desert, driven forward by military escorts, uh, the deportees were deprived of food and water and subjected to period robbery, rape, and massacre. The exact number of deaths is most often considered to be 1.5 million, with other estimates ranging from 800,000 to 1,800,000. These events are traditionally commemorated yearly on the 24th of April, the Armenian Christian Martyr Day. Okay, so you see, Uh so anyway, my, my, uh, I guess my second cousin Doris married Charlie Garabedian. And Charlie was a detective in the town of Rutherford, uh, New Jersey. Um from what I remember he was a very nice man, very gregarious. He uh he uh smiled a lot, joked around a lot, he loved children. Um uh, when I went over there I think I sat on his knee a lot and he would tell me stories and now I'm I'm remembering back, you know, probably um uh, 58 to 57, 57, 58 years. So, but I do remember him as being a very nice man and they had a son and, um, Charlie died, I think before his wife, um, he had a heart attack. Well, anyway, uh, Charlie came to this country as a result of this, um, this genocide, his family had, uh, his father had, and mother had, um, smuggled him out somehow. And they got out of the area and came to the United States legally uh following all the processes of legal immigration okay and i know it might sound mean that i say that but you know what darn it it's a law and if it's a law you obey it and people back then obeyed laws <coughs> pardon me so anyway um having uh charlie as a relative and 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 uh, finding out from, from him and from my father and grandfather all about the Armenian genocide and everything. It was uh, I've got a little jump on history than the rest of you or maybe most of you. Um, I'm sure some of you are history buffs or, or, and or you are Armenian, you know directly about it. Um, one interesting and very beautiful part of my life happened, um, back in, uh, probably the late nineties, um, and into maybe 2000, I'd say from 19, maybe 1993 to 2000, um, I was working in a pharmacy down in California and a woman came to work there who was, um, and I'm not going to use names, okay, um, delightful woman. Um, she was a pharmacist over in Armenia. And folks, you got to realize that pharmacists that, that come from the old world like that are more chemists than they are pharmacists. They're they know how to take roots and and tinctures and stuff and put them together and make uh, make things that would make your mind spin. Okay, not literally. I mean, if, but just the, the notion that these things can be put together and that they can be made by hand and formed into tablets and tinctures and and uh, injections and stuff like that is mind boggling. So when I think of a pharmacist, that's what I think of. Um, nowadays, a lot of times and to their credit, they're good people, but pharmacists are basically uh pill. Um, uh, I don't want to say pushers, but, uh, they work in pill mills. Um, yes, they do have a knowledge of modern medicine, but it's all uh, medicines that were manufactured by medicine companies. And the information that they have on those drugs is what they've learned from the medicine companies, not from a uh, direct exposure to making them. Um, and I always remember she she talked about this one drug called valerian root. And back then it was kind of a new thing to us here in the States. But um, over in the Soviet Union, former Soviet Union and the Soviet Union when it existed, valerian root was used for, for everything, it seems like. And I think that part of the, that, that is it, it has alcohol in it. So it was used to put you to sleep. It was used by people that had heart problems. And, and uh, the Armenians and a lot of Russians swore by valerian root. Okay. And even the name Valerian sounds Armenian because it's I-A-N. So maybe it was an invention of some uh, pharmacist or chemist over in, uh, in Armenia. Well, anyway, <clears throat> through her, I got to meet her family. Um, her husband, I hit it off with right away. Really nice guy. Really, really nice guy. Um, and at the time she had two sons. Um, I think she's got another child now, but, um, there there was an irony in their in their uh, in their lives um back when armenia was part of the soviet union um it, they had to live kind of precariously because they they were christians okay but the soviet union didn't recognize christianity so the state church was the armenian orthodox church um, but I have met, as a matter of fact, I think her sister is a, a Pentecostal, <laughs> uh, or you might, today you might call her a, um, charismatic, um, nice lady. And she's got a son too, but, uh, her husband was a schmuck and, um, they divorced. But anyway, um, she's here in the States too now. And again, they all did it legally. Okay. Um, so, uh, getting back to her, um, I, I met the family, the husband, the sons and everything. And we became very good friends. I, I would go to their house if they had celebrations or, or anything else. I was always invited. I was invited. I was almost taken in as one of the family. Actually. <laughs> and in, and in return, you know, um, I, I, I contacted representatives on their behalf, uh, for different things that I won't go into, but, um, the the irony that happened was that um, since the Armenia was part of the Soviet Union, um, if you weren't a communist, you had a very rough life. You didn't eat. Uh, you couldn't own property. Well, you didn't own it anyway, but you couldn't have property, uh, and, and and all those things that the socialists in this country want want for us, but they don't realize happens. And uh, so anyway, uh, her. Uh, her husband, his family became part of the communist party. And because of that, you know, they were able to eat better and stuff like that. Um, didn't have to wait in the bread lines as long as uh, other people and everything. And um, if they had to wait at all, but uh, when the Soviet Union fell in the uh, late 1980s, um, the uh, communist regime fell in Armenia too. And you know with the the term payback is hell uh it literally is because anybody that was communist or had an affiliation with the communist party in armenia was persecuted and you could say maybe rightfully so because especially if they were persecutors i don't think that this gentleman was i don't think he had it in his heart to persecute people okay but um uh, anyway um uh, so they had to flee they're refugees, basically fleeing from Armenia because the communists were being persecuted. Yeah. Put that one in your pipe and smoke it or think about it because that's weird, isn't it? But anyway, um, so, uh, because of that, I got to meet other people in, in the, uh, Armenian community. And I'll tell you, I don't think I've met a bad Armenian. I really don't. All the guys I got along with great. I think I worked with two or three of them. Um, they weren't afraid to take on the menial jobs in, in pharmacies I worked at, like drivers and delivery people and stuff like that. Um, and uh, anyway, they, you know, it was just a very pleasant experience. And um, so I, I asked this woman one day, I said, you know, what was it like for you? You know, during the genocide, you know, how did your family survive? Uh, and I guess, you know, the men were taken away and killed or forced into forced labor. And I really don't know. She didn't talk that much about the men in her family, but she did talk about the women. And, and she talked about her grandmother, um, who was, uh, uh or her mother, excuse me. No, wait a minute. It must've been grandmother. That would fit into the time period. Who was a, uh, quite attractive woman, I guess at the time. And, um, and that's who the uh, Turks were going after. They, they liked to rape uh, and pillage and, and everything else. And, uh, but what they would do is after they raped a, a Christian woman, they would usually crucify them on a real cross. Um, so what her, her grandmother and sisters did is they would, uh, they wouldn't wash their hair. They let their hair get matted. Um, they put dirt on their faces and always, you know, everything that a woman in America nowadays would dread doing and probably wouldn't do. Now I'm thinking, you know, unless they realized that they had to preserve their life by doing it. But um, so uh and that's the way her her family survived. OK. Um, OK, I'm not going to go into that. That's a little too personal. But anyway. Um, so, you know, we I just had a great time. That's all I can say is, like I said, I never met a bad army. Now, you got to understand that people that come from the countries like that and uh, even from Europe and, and things like that, um, uh, don't have the, Oh, uh, I don't want to make it sound like it's a defect cause it's not, but they, they don't have the, um, uh, encumbrance, I should say that we have in this country of, of fighting back. You know, we're always, uh, taught the, uh, the Christian ethic, uh, that, uh, you know, turn the other cheek and things like that. Well, you know, Yeshua was serious when he talked about that, but he also knew that there'd be times when you'd have to fight back, okay? And if you don't believe in fighting back, then you should move from this country because this country was formed because men fought back, okay? That's what the whole revolution was about. But there may be some of you out there who haven't studied that because you weren't taught that in school. Um (laughs) A lot of things aren't taught in school anymore. But um, anyway, uh, so Armenia is nestled, like I said, and I want to get to the map that I downloaded here. Um, Okay, so north of Armenia, mostly to the north, is a country called Georgia. Now, Georgia was part of the Soviet Union, too. No, it's not. Where Atlanta is there's a real country named Georgia um, <clears throat> by the way uh, if you wanted to know um, uh, Armenia uh, the, let's just say the capital is um, about uh, a little just a little above the 40 degree um, latitude line and um, the 44 degree uh, longitude line east okay uh, about 41 North and 44 East. Um, I don't know what time zone that puts them in. It may be the same time zone as Israel. And that would be right now it would be 11 hours. Um, but, uh, it used to be a, a larger country it used to, um, I don't want to say it used to be part of where Turk of Turkey, um, uh, it used to be its own autonomous part and the Turks took that away from them. Um, uh, I don't know what to compare it to, to tell you the truth. Um, uh It looks like it's maybe 130 or 150 miles long at its longest point and uh maybe 150 miles wide. Uh, I, let me revise that and say it's probably about 200 miles long by about 150 wide at its widest point. There's a lake in the center of it called Sivan Lake. Or they have it uh, pronounced "lich" L-I-C-H. Um, the capital is Yerevan, always has been. Um, to the left of it is Turkey, and also uh, to the left uh, on the border is where Mount Ararat is. Okay. Um, to the south, um, to the south it's kind of weird because it's... <laughs> Uh, it kind of reminds me of the united states before it, you know the contiguous united states became contiguous uh which means all one part with no gaps um uh, because directly to the south of part of armenia is part of azerbaijan and then south of that is the islamic republic of iran and it shares uh, armenia shares a very small maybe a 30 mile long border with iran And, uh, to the east is, uh, the other section of Azerbaijan. Okay. Um, they have their own unique alphabet, which I think is kind of cool. Actually, it's like nothing I've seen anywhere else. (laughs) And, um, uh, they're very, very intelligent people, very smart people, very moral people. Um, unless you mess with them. Okay. Um. You got to understand we're talking about thousands of years of being taken over and harassed by different countries, uh, different empires. I mean, at one time they were uh, harassed by the Persians and then the Romans tried to take over and then the Ottoman Turks. And I'm just naming three out of many of uh, the Soviet Union, took them over. They were part of the Soviet Union. Uh, you name it. So. um Anyway, when you you have a history like that, and and you're not like the United States where we've had, you know, uh, 200 years of relative um, autonomous uh, government uh, without being harassed or taken over, (laughs) unless you live in Portland, um, or or Minneapolis for that matter, but um, you you kind of develop an attitude, and, and rightfully so, and I can't say I blame them one bit. Um, but, uh, I was told the story, um, there was, there was a guy named Martin and Martin is so out of the picture that I don't mind saying his name. Very nice man. <laughs> kind of short, but very strong, very, very strong man. Um, he was one of our delivery guys and he, he could pick up anything and put it <laughs> anywhere. And he was a very good cook. He made a shish kebab that was out of this world. Um, and I, and I like the way he used to say, <laughs> I, I said, Hey Martin, what's in the shish kebab? And he'd go three beef and two pork, you know, meaning that it was a three to two combination in, in the meat that he was doing. And, um, anyway, um, uh, I, I'm just, as I'm talking to you, I'm recalling a lot of fond memories that I had with, with, uh, my Armenian friends and, um, Sonia Martin told me a story about, I guess, uh, down somewhere down in Los Angeles, there's a a large Armenian community and, um, one of the Armenian girls, I think she was unmarried, was walking through a park and some people of other persuasions had decided to harass her, I think with the intent on taking her, um, sexuality and, um, some of the Armenians saw that and uh, all the men ran out of their houses into the park and I guess they beat the guy to death. Um, and you know, while I don't condone violence, maybe that, if that happened a little more often, uh, there wouldn't be as much crime as there is right now. Uh, I know we're supposed to turn the other cheek and we're supposed to, you know, love our enemies and everything like that, but you know, you can love your enemies right into a con, putting yourself into a concentration camp. Um, anyway, uh, so let's see where I went into the geography. I didn't really go into the population. I don't think that's important. Well, anyway, um, one of the things I wanted to go into was to talk about, and you haven't heard this in the, in the mainstream media. I, I didn't even hear it. Had it not been for my Armenian friend who is a friend with me on Facebook and, um, she posted something one day and it looked like a war scene. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I wrote to her and I said, Hey lady, what's going on? You know? And she said, well, you know, we're at war with Azerbaijan. And, and I, you know, cause it was kind of, when I read the post, it was kind of hard to understand because it had been somebody from Armenia translating it in English. And while I understood most of it, some of it was a little ambiguous. So I, I asked her and she said that, um, um, I guess Turkey had tried to hire some uh, Syrians, uh, Syrian rebels to, uh, to enter into the fray. And, uh, I guess they got as far as the border of Armenia and saw that what they were getting into and they laid their arms down and said, we don't want to fight this. We're going away. Uh, <laughs> um, and the last reports that I got seemed that things are going a lot better. Well, anyway, now if you've seen an old picture of the United States, uh, say, let's say like 1845, You'll notice that you know you you have um, you, the whole East Coast was solidified. Then you had your Louisiana Purchase, and by then Texas was was or it w- becoming or was a state, and we were uh, United States was pushing its way farther west. Uh, California was a state, I think, well 1849. That's why they call them the 49ers. Um, that and, and gold was discovered there in 1849. Well, anyway. Um, so, you know, you had the main part of the United States and then you had California and in between was, uh, was still kind of controlled by the United States, but not part of the United States. Okay. And, and there were some areas that were that was not true, like some of the, uh, Native American lands and stuff where Uh, You just didn't go there, okay, (laughs) if you wanted to live. I mean, if you were uh, Anglo-Saxon and you wanted to live. Pardon me while I get a cup of coffee, okay, or a little sip before it gets cold. And my throat's getting a little uh, raw. So hold on. Ah, nice hot coffee. Okay. You know what's funny is... um, when you have um, a problem with atrial fibrillation, um, which I have from time to time, it's, it's called paroxysmal, which means we don't know how it happens and it doesn't happen all the time. That's what that word means. Um, and that's the first thing they tell you, don't, don't drink coffee, but I'll tell you, it's like the times when I don't drink coffee is when it kicks in. So, um, my, my health has always been an oddity. I, um, things that are supposed to make people sleep, wake me up and the whole nine yards. So like Rodney Dangerfield said, when he died, he wanted to donate his body to science fiction. And I think that's a darn good idea. Well, anyway, getting back to the map of the United States, that is. Uh, so you had regions uh, that were uninhabited except by, um, by native Americans. And, um, and it's, it's kind of the same when you look at a map of Armenia, a, a current political map of Armenia. And this is from, uh, Nations Online, the Nations Online Project, uh, nationsonline.org slash one world, hate that, forward slash map, forward slash Armenia underscore map dot htm. Okay, if you wanted to look at it. And, <clears throat> As is always the case in some parts of, um, of the world, um, if there's a population that's, um, heavily concentrated in that area, they tend to lean toward their ethnicity. Um, the one thing that I can think of right now is, um, oh, there was an area of Poland where a lot of Germans lived. that was right on the Baltic. And, um, because of that the the Germans used that as an excuse in an early well of the late 1930s to go in and, and supposedly liberate their fellow men and uh, and take over Poland at the same time or half of it which went turned into World War two actually um, so anyway uh, there's there's a region in Azerbaijan um, and I don't know if it's got a name but um, Okay, it says here it's the bound this area that's it's a different color and it's in Azerbaijan and it says boundary of former Nagomo Karabakh uh, autonomous oblast. Okay, and uh, my thinking about this, that an area that has large concentrations of Armenians in it. So they tend to lean towards Armenia rather than Azerbaijan. And this is where the the. the fighting is going on right now. Uh, this, the fighting is uh, that I saw in the video was in a place called. Uh, they were calling it uh, Stefanikert, Stefanikert. And uh, but I guess the. the Well, maybe the Muslim name for whatever is uh, Khan Kadeni, Khan Kadeni. Uh, Khan spelled like Madeline Khan, K-H-A-N. Or Genghis Khan for that matter um, and it's a fairly good-sized piece of uh, Azerbaijan um, so I think that the uh, what's happening is that the Azerbaijanis are trying to force the Armenians out of there or kill them you know because uh, Muslims have very little regard for life that isn't Muslim As a matter of fact they don't have regard for Muslim life either that's why the the um, Sunnis and the Shiites all fight to kill one another um, but anyway, there are other areas uh, that if you look at the map, there's a little area called um, Shabuts, uh, which is a little white area. It's the same color as uh, on the map as, uh, as uh, Armenia. Then there's another little area called uh, Gadabay, which is the same color as Armenia, but it's still in Azerbaijan, or what is called Azerbaijan here. Um so anyway, you didn't hear this in the mainstream press, and I didn't hear it except for my friend who's Armenian, and uh, I just want to put this information out to you guys to let us know what's going on, because the media in the United States is uh, too busy trying to find out what color underwear Trump is wearing today, um, or if he uh, is truly over the COVID-19 um, virus that he had, um, you know, and, and they're They're too busy trying to dig up dirt on him than they are to tell you about current affairs, especially this. And this could have some kind of effect here. And I'm going to explain what I, what I think anyway. And, and we can go from there. But, um, anyway, we, we know from reading Ezekiel 38 and 39 that, um, that the Lord is going to, uh, draw some nations down to, to israel to the hills of israel to try to take israel over and at the time of ataturk when he was running turkey and even up until early before the 2000s before the turn of the millennium uh, turkey seemed to be kind of an innocuous place that was part of nato and um, and pretty friendly towards israel they had a lot of peace agreements but then uh the radical muslims got in there and took it over and um it's becoming basically another iran um this uh the the leader um i can't remember his name ugarik or something like that um is basically proclaiming himself to be a messianic figure um uh, some people have called him the final imam um so he's, you know, he's got a personality problem, um, big time narcissist. Uh, well, no, he's a murderer, so he's actually a psychopath. Um, so anyway, uh, Turkey figures big into the the invasion of Israel um, in the Ezekiel scenario. Um, several of the countries that are mentioned in there, or I should say, the family groups that are mentioned in there, um, are in. What is modern-day Turkey, and uh, and it's interesting also that the Islamic Republic of Iran, which is was and should still be called Persia, is another nation that's involved in that. Um, So when when Turkey starts telling the the Syrian militants that you know they should probably try to attack um, Armenia. And the Azerbaijanis are attacking, and uh, the Iranians are basically doing nothing. You got to you got to wonder if things are up. You got to wonder if uh, you know while while they're over here. Uh, a good scenario would would be um, D-Day. Uh, we had planned to go into Normandy, but we we convinced the Germans, well especially Hitler. I I think some of the Germans kind of knew that it was going to come to Normandy. But the Hitler was convinced that it was going to come through um, through Belgium, and uh, and prepared for that. As a matter of fact, he left all of his Panzers up there and didn't move them to Normandy like uh, some of the generals had wanted, and, and that was uh, good for us, you know, bad for them. But um, so you got to wonder when when Turkey's doing this, are they doing something somewhere else? And since they're in league and will be in league and uh, the Ezekiel invasion with Iran and they're actually connected to Iran. Uh, you got to wonder. And then they're telling Turkish milit, not Turkish, um, um, Syrian militants to, um, to get into the fray. The Syrian militants are not Syrians folks. They're um, well, they are, but they're not the nice guys. Okay. Um now when I told you I, that my friend had sent me this um this news article and it was a video actually and it was actually showing bombs falling uh while while, while I was watching the video. You could see him hitting targets. They might have been mortars, uh don't get me wrong, but and this again was happening in uh in uh that autonomous zone uh um, in Azerbaijan that has mostly Armenians in it. And <clears throat> Um, so while I was watching it, um, you know, all this started to click, you know, it's like, okay, so, uh, the, the Turks and, um, and, uh, the Islamic uh, rebels in Syria are, are, are coordinating or trying to, it didn't work, um, some kind of action to take, take the eyes of the people of the Middle East anyway, because it's not hitting our eyes, right? Um. To take their eyes of the people of the Middle East off of um, what they might be doing in in other areas Um, I was looking because the the video was in Armenian and I couldn't understand it to save my life um, I got onto, uh, I just went into a um, search engine and I typed in uh, Armenian English news (laughs) okay and um so it's, you know, it's, it's got different articles in it. Uh, what, the first one here is two-story house completely destroyed by Azerbaijan shelling of Stefan Kurt. And you notice that they, so that must be the Armenian name using Stefan Kurt because the other one just sounds Islamic, Karendi, Kandhi, you know. Um, so step incurred is probably the right way to say it. Um, and then there's another article here and I'm not going to read the articles, just the titles. Um, Karabakh, and that's the, um, the name of the province, by the way. Uh, Karabakh president spokesman says, um, attack, uh, Azerbaijan, the attack that Azerbaijan launched in the afternoon is the last futile attempt to achieve results. Another article, uh, Armenia Ministry of Defense representative of Azerbaijan lost large scale offensive in southern district of Artsakh. Um, presidential, here's an article, article presidential spokesman situation in Artsakh continues to be stable, but tense. Um it's another one here, Turkish journalists. Azerbaijan is not a state, it is a tribe. There is neither law nor, nor democracy there. Hey, yeah, I'll agree with that. Okay. And you're not going to find democracy in any Muslim country. Okay. So the fact that that article says that's, it's ludicrous. Um, there's always authoritarian and dictatorial rule in Muslim countries. There's never democracy. They put on an air and hold elections, but you always notice that the uh, the bad guy wins. <laughs> okay. Um, and these articles, I guess, are getting older as I um, as I read. Um, Armenia Ministry of Defense, uh, Azerbaijan continues to spread false information. Um there's a map here. And i don't let's see Armenian unified info center azerbaijan has three- three thousand four hundred and fifty four castle cheese um, and it's showing it's showing pictures here uh one's a helicopter and it has the number sixteen below it another one's an airplane it has the number seventeen below it uh the number of tanks it has three hundred and seventy nine and missile launchers it has four and I'm thinking that Maybe uh, this is uh, what has been Oh, here. It's in English. Hey, uh, the Armenian Unified Info Center has resented the adversary's losses ever since the hostilities began on se- September 27th. Um, so this has been going on, what, six, uh, almost half a month. And we're I'm just learning about it now. And, and you're learning about it now. Um Let's see, it says, accordingly, Azerbaijan's losses are as follows, 3,454 casualties, 126 drones, 16 combat helicopters, 17 warplanes, 379 armored vehicles, and four Smirch-type rocket launchers. So the Armenians are kicking their butts. That's kind of nice. Um, like I said, you don't mess with Armenians. Um, Anyway, so, so anyway, we, uh, you got an idea now what's going on. So um, now let's look at this. Um, we talked earlier about uh, Hitler thinking that the troops were going to come in through Brussels or through Belgium. Um, and uh, they came in through Normandy. So I wish I had a better map of Turkey. Turkey, um, well, here, wait with me here, and I'll just type in map of Turkey and we can go from there. How's that sound? Uh, What was that joke? One used to say, um, if you're hungry and you eat and you fry your turkey in Greece, you Could develop a bulge area, meaning fat. Anyway, I made that up. I know it's kind of stupid, but what the heck, you know? I was bored, I guess, at the time. Um, Okay, so here's a map of Turkey with all the surrounding countries. All right, here we go. Turkey's a bad player. Okay. They really are. And why we still have a military base there, I have no clue. We need to get the heck out of there, and just because those those soldiers. Uh, I know that there's a uh, there's a base down in uh, Inserlik and that's uh, down at the the very bottom of Turkey uh, near Syria. Um, it's an air base, and uh, last time I heard, they were there. We actually had nukes there, so we need to get those out of there and get out of Turkey if it hasn't happened already. So anyway, you know, like I said, there's, uh, Greece and Bulgaria that are on the, the west hand, uh, west side of it. Um, and then, uh, the north, the north side is the Black Sea and the south side, of course, is the Mediterranean Sea and Cyprus is where I think that's the island that's half, uh, half Greek and half Turk, Turkish. And boy, that's a hotbed. Um, to the east is, uh, the north, uh, Actually, the northeast is Georgia, and you have Armenia directly to the east, and then Iran, and then it borders Iraq and Syria. So um, the Syrian president, Assad, you know, I never really liked him when he went to war against Israel, but um, I'm starting to develop kind of a respect for this guy because he I think he knows what Turkey's all about. I think he knows what they're up to, and he doesn't like Turkey, and Turkey doesn't like him. Um, but the, uh, the Syrians have an alliance with Russia. Okay. See, this is all, oh man, it's so discombobulated because according to prophecy, if you believe some of the prophecies that are out there, uh, regarding Ezekiel 38 and 39, Russia is supposed to be the chief prince of me, of, uh, Gog and Meg, or, uh, let's see. Uh, Gog is the chief prince of Magog or, or vice versa. And um, they're always saying that Russia is the chief prince and then Gog is Turkey and then uh, or the different areas of Turkey that the tribes that are mentioned, Ezekiel 38, 39, are, are reside in, And uh, which would be all of Turkey, basically, because it's a Muslim state and they'd nothing better than to eliminate Israel. But uh, Syria stands in their way. Syria stands in the way of the invasion because Syria does not get along with Turkey, never has, and um, probably never will. Um, But there's a problem here because um, according to Ezekiel 38 and 39, it says that those tribes are supposed to come down from the north and that the Persians are supposed to come from the east. Okay. Now, the Persians could very well come from the east because they have basically turned Iraq into a vassal state. Um, that's another place we need to get American troops out of um, because that's going to turn into a hotbed. And when it happens, if there's American troops, they're just, just going to be run over um, and killed. But, um, but to come the, from the north, you'd have to come through Syria, and that's a problem. And that's why the president of Turkey has always been against president Assad of Syria because he doesn't like him because he knows that Syria would never allow Turkish troops to come through there. That's why he um, was forming alliances against, I mean with the Syrian rebels against the president of Syria and through God's providence so far, the president president Assad still is the president of Syria and, um, you know, and it's preventing this attack from happening. Um, but it's going to happen someday. It's in the scripture. So it's going to happen. And um, so what's happening while, while this little hotbed is going on over in Armenia? Well, maybe, maybe uh, they're working to uh, enforce or uh, entrench the uh, the Syrian um, rebels. Maybe that maybe Turkey's working with them to make them stronger Maybe the few that went over to attack uh, Armenia and lay down their weapons was just a ruse so that the, the rest of the rebels that are in Syria can be strengthened by Turkey. Maybe it was to get Russia's eyes off of what's going on, you know, because one of the articles was that Putin here. Let me go back. Uh, there's an article that Putin was going to visit our, our Armenia, actually, and. Um, so, well, I know it's there. I'm not going to waste a lot of time looking for it. Uh, the foreign minister of Egypt's supposed to visit. Um, anyway, um, I don't want to, like I said, go. Oh, uh, Kremlin Putin has no plans to hold talks with Azerbaijan's Aliyev and Turkey's Eroj. E- 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 How do you say that? Erdogan on, uh, Karakbach. So, um, of course, because Putin's aligned with the Syrians. Okay. He doesn't care about Turkey. He really does. Well, he does, but, <laughs> um, I think he would love to have it, but, uh, so far there's still a NATO nation and I don't know why that still is, but, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'll probably know, never know everything, but, um, I know I won't know everything, but, um, Anyway, um so there there's something going on there that doesn't smell quite right. Okay. And I've always kept my eyes on Turkey because Turkey's um Turkey plays into that um uh, or the tribes that were situated in Turkey, which you could just say Turkey now, um that are gonna attack Israel. Um they're all they're all there and they're all ready to come down i think but um so i don't you just love when these windows pop up and windows telling you you gotta upgrade something right in the middle of a radio show too anyway um so syria seems to be the the problem here and i think that turkey's trying to do something to get rid of the president of syria so um, Syria would not be a roadblock for him to get down, uh, cause that's really the only roadblock there is. Um, Lebanon really wouldn't be a problem because they could just go around Lebanon and go down through the Golan Heights and down into Israel. Um, the prophecy is quite specific though, that, uh, when all these tribes from, from Turkey and, and other places, uh, that Turkey influences, um, are on the hillsides of uh Israel uh the Persians also that's when God is going to destroy them and it seems to be a supernatural destruction, but at the same time, it seems to be maybe that uh that neutron weapons are used because um oh, I wish I would have had this open um, Bear with me, okay, let's see blue letter Bible we always use blue letter Bible, okay. And, um, let's see, I doubt that it's, I can use these two words. Nope. (laughs) Um, it talks about their eyes melting out of their heads and their skin falling off their flesh. And, um, I'm just going to say Ezekiel 39. And then I'll look through it real quick. And thank you for being patient while I do this. Okay. Let's see. It says, uh, therefore, prophecy, son of man, prophecy against Gog and say, thus saith the Lord God. Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, both nations or both tribes, which are in Turkey, by the way. And I will turn thee back and leave by the sixth part of thee, and I will cause thee to come up from the north, from the north parts, and bring with thee and bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. And I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand, and will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right. Thou shalt fall to, upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all the, of thy bands, and the people that is with thee, I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, and the beasts of the field to be devoured. Okay. This is basically just talking about what's going to happen to the weapons of those that came down. Um, it's going to take seven months for is the Israelis to uh, burn the weapons. And that's what makes me wonder if it's, uh, I don't know, for some reason I, I seem to think nuclear because, um it, it talks about some of the, um, the remains being found, um, and that, uh, when somebody finds a bone or something, they're supposed to set up a marker and, uh, and then a special cruiser is supposed to, oh, here, uh, yeah, here it is. And they shall sever out men of continuum, em- continual employment passing through the land to bury with the passengers, those that remain upon the face of the earth, to cleanse it. After the, the end of seven months, they shall search. So they're going to wait till after seven months are over, and then they're going to go out looking for these things, these people. And the passersby that pass through the land, when they seeth a man's bone, they shall set. They then shall he set up a sign by it till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Ham- Hamagog. Um, And also the name of the city shall be Hanorah for this this to cleanse the land. Um, It must be in 38. Isn't it funny how when you go to look for something and and there's two things you can look for, you always pick the wrong one. Okay, here's the countries that will come down. Okay. Okay. well, let's start at the beginning here. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them shield and helmet. Gomer and all of his bands, the House of Togama, which is weird because the the uh, Armenians call themselves the House of Togama, uh, which kind of is, bothers me and frightens me because they're going to might be part of that. Um, let's see. Gomer and all his bands, and the house of Dargarma, and the north quarters, and all the bands, and many people with thee, be thou prepared, and prepare thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. Let's see. After many days thou shalt be visited, in the latter years... And thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword, and is gathered out of many peoples against the mountains of Israel, which have always, which have been always waste, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud that, co- that covers the land. Thou shalt, and thou, and all thy bands, and many people with thee. Thus says the Lord God, it it shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought, and thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages, and I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, and having neither bars nor gates, to take spoil and to take prey and to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods and dwell in the midst of the land. What other country do you know that have come out of all the nations and have taken a wasteland and turned it into a garden? It's Israel, of course. Okay, he goes on, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and all the young lions thereof shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take prey, to carry away silver and gold, and to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? And that's asking us as a question. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto God, Gog, Thus saith the Lord God, In that day when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, shalt thou not know of it? And thou shalt come from ...from thy place out of the north parts, and many people with thee, and all of them riding upon horses, a great company, and and a mighty army. And thou shalt come up against my people Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land, that the heathen may know me, when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes." other words he's going to use them for his own glory thus says the Lord God art thou he whom I have spoken in old times by my servants the prophets of Israel which prophesied in the days in those days many years that I would bring thee against them isn't that weird because Ezekiel's prophesying this and he's prophesying that he's one of the prophets that was spoken through this this was spoken through um that's weird. It just goes to show you that it's supposed to be way in the future from uh, Ezekiel's time. Anyway, you um, know, it should come to pass the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of heaven. And the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth, and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at, the, at my presence at my presence, and the mountains shall be thrown down, and the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. sounds like an earthquake to me, and I will call the sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God, every man's sword shall be against his brother. see they're going he's going to cause them to kill themselves. And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood and I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him and overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself and I will be known in the eyes of many nations and they shall know that I am the Lord. Okay, so do we have, to, we have to go to the next chapter. Okay. I read that. Uh, that he's going to put a hook in Gog's mouth, and he's at the, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, um, and that he's going to turn them back and only leave a sixth part of them uh, and cause them to come from the north uh, upon the mountains of Israel. And he will smite the bow of the left hand and will cause the arrows to fall out of the right hand and thou shalt fall in the mountains of Israel, till all thy bands and all thy people that is with thee, and I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, and the beasts of the field to be devoured. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. And I will send a fire and make. Oh, this is now this is freaky. You think you're safe in the United States, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we'll read this a couple times, okay? And I will send fire upon Magog and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles and they shall know that I am the Lord. Where, what nation can you think of that lives carelessly in the isles, which means in far off places. Okay. You could say the Europeans, you could probably say the South America, but the people of the United States, Canada, and in some parts of Mexico dwell carelessly. We don't have a care. We have food, we have clothing, we have shelter for the most part. Um, and, um, yes, we have some concerns about financial things, but we're other things that the rest of the world worries about where, you know, where am I gonna get my meal tomorrow? Um, you know, I've seen pictures of guys uh, turning Coke bottle, uh, one liter Coke bottle bottoms or, or Coke bottles into uh, shoes that they can wear. I mean, that's the state of the people, some of the people in this world. So compared to that, we live carelessly. Again, he says, and I will send fire on Magog and those that dwell carelessly in the isles and they shall know that I am the Lord. To send fire, what do you think that is? Hmm. Maybe there's going to be a little nuclear exchange between us and Russia or us and another nation. Interesting. Maybe it'll just be fire and brimstone. That'd be bad enough. Um, knowing that you're getting nuked from, uh, the Russians, you know, we've lived under that fear for many years or people my age have anyway, not so much now, but we did when we were younger. Um, but fire and brimstone from the Lord, that's a whole other story. Um. So he continues, So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and will not let them pollute my holy name any more, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, it is come, it is done, saith the Lord God. This is the day whereof I, whereof I have spoken, and they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows, the hand staves and the spears, and they shall burn them for seven years, so that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any of the forest, for they shall burn the weapons with fire, and those and they shall spoil those that spoiled them, and rob those that robbed them, says the Lord God. And it shall come to pass um, in that day that I will give unto Gog a place their graves in the valley of it, Graves in Israel, the valley of passengers in the east of the sea, and it shall, and it shall stop the noses of the passengers, and they shall bury Gog and his multitude, and they shall call it the valley of Hamagog. and seven months shall the houses of Israel be burying them, that they may cleanse the land. Yes, all the people of the land shall bury them, and it shall be known, shall be to them known uh, be to them a renown the day that I shall be glorified says the Lord God and they shall sever out uh, men of continual employment passing through the land to bury with the passengers those that remain upon the face of the earth to cleanse it after the end of seven months they shall search and the passengers that pass through the land uh, when any seeth a man's bone then shall set aside by it till the barriers have buried it in the valley of the Hamagog. Um And also the name of the city shall be Hamone. Thus shall they uh, cleanse the land. And let's see. Here we go. And in, let's see. And thou son of man. Thus saith the Lord God, speak unto every every feathered fowl and every beast of the field. Assemble yourselves and come and gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you, even the great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel, that ye may eat the flesh and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of mighty and drink the blood of princes of the earth, of rams and of lambs and of goats, of bullocks and of them fatlings of Bashan, That's interesting because Bashan was known as the land of the giants, so maybe the Nephilim are going to be involved in this. That'd be interesting. Maybe there's a tribe of Nephilim or several up in Turkey that are going to come down. Never thought about that, but it's an idea, right? And you shall eat fat till you are full and drink blood till you are drunken on my sacrifice, which I have sacrificed for you. Thus you, be, you shall be filled at my table with horses and chariots with mighty men and with all men of war, saith the Lord God, and I will set my glory among the heathen, and all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed and my hand that I have laid upon them. So the horses, so the house of Israel, excuse me, shall know that I am the Lord, I am the Lord, their God, from that day forward, and the heathen shall know. That the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity because they transgressed against me. Therefore, I hid my face from them and gave them into the hand of their enemies. So they fell. Uh, so fell they all by the sword, according to their uncleanliness and according to their transgressions have I done unto them and hid my face from them. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, now it will bring again the captivity of Jacob and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel, and will be jealous for my holy name. After that they have borne their shame, and all their trespasses whereby they have trespassed against me, when thou dwelt safely in their land, and none made them afraid. Then they shall know that I am the Lord their God, which causes them to be led into captivity. I'm sorry, I'm I'm laughing because I can't find that scripture. It's in another book, I think. Another prophet um, but it talks about the uh, the eyes melting out of their heads and their skin just melting off their flesh um, and it really sounds like a uh, a neutron bomb attack actually um, let me type in a neutron bomb in Bible let's see what happens. Zechariah Prophecy. Boy, I'm telling you, I, I really love the internet. <laughs> um, let's see if I can find it real quick. I'll go to it. Um, and, of course, this is a book some guy wrote. So I'm not going to find it there. Uh, let's see. it's 24. Um nuclear war with the great tribulation neutron bomb and the prophecy of Zechariah. Okay. Come on. Just tell me where it is. Okay. Zechariah 14, 12 through 15. I'll just read it out of here, even though it's out of the new King James. Okay. This is probably part of the, um, the attack on Ezekiel 3839 <laughs> because why would markers have to be set up next to bones unless they were radioactive and special crews had to come out and find them and bury them right uh, it goes on to say uh, the neutron bomb is another generation beyond a thermonuclear device it has the same core of a fusion bomb but the blanket of but the blanket of heavy uh, u238 isotope is removed. So only the energy released from the fusion core comprises the total explosive yield. The energy is from the massive flux of neutrons combined with some gamma radiations. Neutrons are highly lethal to humans and animals. And the uh, N-bomb instantly kills everything in its radius of lethality. Any living creatures that receive Non-lethal doses of neutrons will be dead within a day or two from radiation sickness. Uh, Neutron radiation literally vaporizes the soft flesh of humans at close range. Okay. And talking about the day of the Lord, Zechariah 14, uh, 12 through 15, New King James Version. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall be dissolved while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets, and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. It shall come to pass that on that day that a great panic from the Lord will be among them. Everyone will seize the hand of his neighbor and raise his hand against his neighbor's hand. Judah also will fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of the surrounding nations shall be gathered together, gold, silver, and apparel and great abundance. Such also shall be the plague on the horses and on the mule, on the camel and on the donkey and on all the cattle that will be in those camps. So shall this plague be. So I was looking in the wrong book, but it ties in with what's going on. Um, now here's, uh, it's, it's pretty well known that Israel has atomic weapons. It's, it's not a secret. And it's also not a secret that I think Israel invented the neutron bomb or had a a big part in um, its development. And uh, when the United States (laughs) foolishly uh, gave up the, uh, the neutron bomb because they thought it was just too wicked of a way to kill people, as if, as if blowing their body apart with with a nuclear explosion isn't bad enough, you know. It's, um, I don't know, it might be more merciful. Well, I don't know, maybe it's a slower death. But anyway, um, so the United States under Jimmy Carter gave up the neutron bomb, or supposedly we did. I don't know if we really did or not, but. Um, And that was to make the Russians happy so that we could have a peace accord with them that they never really kept. Um, So, um, yes, I do think that the Israelis have a neutron bomb, and I think that they're going to use it when they have to. They have something called, I think it's so the Samson option or the Gideon option. I can't remember. But basically, if they feel that uh, Israel is going to be destroyed and uh, there's no hope, that they're going to implement this, and um, and they will destroy anybody that tries to destroy them. So it's quite possible that the Lord has given them the technology to be able to do this, and um, and uh, somehow it's going to turn around to where the Lord will receive the glory for it. So anyway. Um, yeah, so there's a war going on in Armenia right now, and I think it's being done to take our eyes off of other things that are happening. I think maybe Ezekiel thirty eight and thirty-nine are getting closer than we than we ever imagined. Um if you look at there's two wars that are that are forthcoming against Israel, that that we know about anyway. <laughs> um one of them is the Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine. And if you look at it, you notice it's countries like Turkey, it's countries like uh, Persia or Iran, um, and uh, other countries that are non-Arab, okay? Uh, you will not find an Arab co- nation mentioned in Ezekiel 38 or 39, except for maybe one of the nations that says, you know, have you come to take spoil? You know, I think uh, Sheba and Dedan fall into that category. But, um, so the Arabs, and if you'll notice, um, lately, let's see, I think it was probably in the 1990s or the late eighties that, um, the Jordanians signed a treaty with Israel. And, uh, it's rumored that the Saudis have done the same thing. Now the Syrians were, uh, basically a Syrian, but, um, there's a lot of Arab population in there, and I think the king, uh, I think Assad is Arab. Um, the Iraqis, um, although it was Babylon at one time, it's uh, they consider themselves an Arab nation. Now you're going, OK, well, Iraq, you know, it's right next to Iran. Well, consider that Iran has turned Iraq into a vassal state and um They they can change things around real quick if they ever wanted to. The whole thing is that they need a way to get across that desert and over into Israel. And now that they have, um, oh, I need a bigger map of the Middle East here. Um, There is a way for them to do it. Map of Middle East. Okay, there we go. That's a good map right there. So let's just take the Persians, for instance, OK, because they're definitely involved in Ezekiel 38, and 39, um, and we know them to be Iran. Um, they've always figured into Bible prophecy in one way or another, all the way back to King Cyrus um, and even before. However, uh, so if they wanted to come across, they've already got Iraq. Um, but there's two nations that are blocking them. One is Jordan and the other Syria. And, uh, well, of course, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia would never allow them to come through. So Iraq is where Babylon is. So technically, Iraq is not Arab. It's Babylonian. Okay. Although they claim themselves to be Arabic, they speak Arab and stuff like that. Um, there's, there's a... Um, a question as to whether they're authentically arab or not we know that saudi arabia is just in a name that yemen and oman and uh jordan and uh and countries like that are all arabic in um in genealogy um the syrians uh, debatable uh, although i think the arabs have pretty well taken over syria um you know, over over the millennia, um, and taking it away from the Assyrians who be, who were Christians and Turkey had a lot to do with that, as we mentioned earlier. But um, so to get to Israel, they're going to have to go through Iraq, and my guess is that they're going to go through Syria. Somehow, they're going to take Assad out, and uh, Syria is going to become a puppet state of, of Iran and Turkey, and they'll be able to come down. And when they come. Remember it says that I'm going to bring you down from the north parts, right? Well, Iran shares a considerably large border with Turkey, so they could basically bypass going just going due west, go up into Turkey, and come down with the Turks. Okay, Um, so we wouldn't have to we wouldn't have to worry about that scenario of Syria. Well, Syria's got to (laughs) go, but of Iraq being a surf uh, country to uh, Iran. But, um, so they could come down, uh, they could go up to Turkey and come down through Syria and, uh, they would be a bigger army coming down too. So they could just go right through Syria in one day. And that might fulfill the prophecy of Damascus ceasing to be a city in one day. So I know a lot of has happened to, uh, to, um, Damascus and it's basically looks like Dresden after World War II but um, still it's a city that exists and uh, um, but if the Turks and the, and the uh, Iranians were to come down they could just roll right through it and destroy it and then come down and uh, take up arms against the Israelis but um, anyway so <laughs> maybe that's what the whole thing's about maybe it's to get the eyes of the world off of uh, what the Iranians are doing along with the Turks, you know, cause a little skirmish up north so that nobody else wonders and then implement uh, what you have to. I think there was a movie called Wag the Dog that kind of illustrates what that's all about, that practice. But um, anyway, so there are interesting days ahead. I'm sorry that the things are, that are happening in uh, in uh, Armenia are happening um, because they're good people. They really are. Um uh, it's a little alarming that um that they call themselves the House of Togarma and Togarma is involved with Turkey and going down however i I don't know it could be part of Turkey used to be part of Armenia, and so that's part of the house of togarma and it doesn't it doesn't uh, include the current Armenia, so uh we're talking about the land area here that's going down, not necessarily people because the people mentioned in Ezekiel thirty eight thirty nine, those tribes don't exist anymore, but their ancestors do. So anyway, so uh interesting times coming ahead, folks. Real interesting times coming ahead. And um, we'll we'll have to just wait and see. Um when Trump uh gets reelected after all that cavalcade of uh craziness is, is resolved. Because there will be, trust me. Um, I don't know what the the part that the United States is going to play in. Like it says in Ezekiel 38 uh, or 39, it says that he's going to rain down fire on those who live uh, carelessly in the coastlands. And uh, the King James Version says who dwell in safety in the coastlands. So, um, you know, what better way to live safety? than an ocean apart, and a very large ocean, too, from all that's going on. Um, the rest of the world's going to bow down to the to Muslims. I mean, there's so many Muslims in Europe right now that uh, there's no way that uh, the French or the English or the Germans are going to try to prevent anything. As a matter of fact, they, they'll probably join in. Some of those countries that are mentioned, uh, I do believe, have factions that uh, – that went into that part of Europe. So, um, anyway, it's possibly, it's possible that the Germans will be involved and, um, uh, maybe the French. Um, uh, when you see the nations that have tried to destroy the Jews in the past, I don't think that's over with. I think that there's still enough hatred in, in the hearts of many of those people that they'll, they would band together with the Arabs or the, um, not the Arabs, wrong war. Um, with those that want to destroy Israel. Um, And don't forget that uh, Turkey is still um, allies with NATO and every NATO country is pledged to defend the other NATO countries. So um, who knows, maybe Turkey will claim that Israel um, started some trouble in Turkey. And so they're going down to invade and the other countries would naturally be at a state of war with Israel at that point. So, that's what treaties are all about, folks. So when you see a government signing treaties, it's more than just trade. It's there's a lot of things involved. So um, anyway, we've been going for an hour and 30 minutes. So I think I'm going to go ahead and end this and get it ready to, to put online and um, stuff like that. So uh, we will be coming to you next. Um, next Monday. And. And. Uh, I had a topic. I want to look at it real quick. I had suggested it to some of the members that uh take part in the show, um, and it was well received, but uh we may have to revise it a little bit because it might go into some things that, um, well, let's just say that. All the people in the delusion resistance, excuse me, all the people in opposing the matrix um, have different views to where certain things are involved. And so maybe we'll just uh, skip that subject and go into something else. But um, maybe we'll talk about um, if Trump was actually given COVID instead of if he just acquired it. Um, That would be something good to talk about. Um, I was really proud that, um, he got over it so quickly and, um, he's proof that it's not as deadly. I mean, if a a person his age can come down with COVID and survive, it, it shows me that it's, it's not as deadly to people, um, of that age group, um, which I am approaching very quickly, um. Even though they're, you know, uh, he's overweight, which is, is a, um, is a factor that, that goes against people that acquire that, uh, that illness. Um, but I don't, I can't think of any other vices that he might have that would contribute to it. He's never been a smoker, so he doesn't, you know, probably doesn't have anything wrong with his lungs. Um, might have a fatty liver from being obese, but, um. Who knows? But anyway, the important thing is that uh, he was well taken care of and is back in the White House and planning on going back out on his campaigning very soon. Um, And my goodness, folks, don't believe the the polls. Okay, (laughs) the polls are put on by evil people. Um, Let's just put it this way. If I if I wanted a poll to work in my favor Let's just say that uh, I wanted to poll people about uh, if they think that COVID is real. OK, so what population would I go to? I would go to a population that listens to fake news all the time. And uh, so, I, you know, I might go outside of the CBS News in New York or something like that, and poll people or poll people that are going in and out of the building anyway. And uh hey what do you think is is COVID-19 a real thing you know oh yes of course yeah because they've been watching this um with uh, scales on their eyes and of course they're going to say yes because they have that's what they've been told um uh, people don't have the ability to think for themselves anymore they just believe what they're told it's easier that way but ultimately it leads to a person's destruction so Anyway, uh, with that having been said, we'll have a topic for you on Monday, and uh, we'll go from there. Um, Like I said, there's going to be some minor changes, and we'll talk about that on Monday. And uh, these changes are are for the good for everybody involved, okay? And, uh, well, that's all I'm going to say right now. So don't try to play a guessing game as to what's going on, but... uh, um uh, when when you have a well I'll take a few more minutes uh, when you have a, a radio show that deals in trying to expose the truth where um, where deception is common is the common thing of the day, the common theme of the day um uh, you want to expose it in light of total light of what scripture says and, not with speculation and with um, uh, date setting and things like that. Okay, and um, we've come to uh, an understanding uh, that uh, there's there's going to be a change in in the, in the lineup. Yeah, on opposing the matrix. I'll just come out and say it right now. Uh, Jim's no longer going to be with us. Uh, he's going to go out on his own and start another, his own show. Um, he's felt the call to do that for quite a while now and he's going to make that happen. And if you're interested, he's also going to have a Sunday service, uh, that's going to be on Zoom. So you can join Zoom and, and participate in a, in a, a video live service. So, um, there are things that uh Jim believes um that scripture says that I don't necessarily believe it says and and vice versa. And um so when when you have that kind of situation you kind of decide to still love one another but go your separate ways. And uh that's what's happened and um uh, Jim is going to be starting his own radio show. And, uh, he will be, uh, like I said, having a Sunday service. Uh, um, Eric has decided to, to stay with, uh, opposing the matrix wants to be with us every Monday and, um, he'll also participate in Jim's, uh, uh, radio shows also. Um, this is not a competition between me and Jim. It's not a, a falling out between me and Jim or anything else. It's just that, uh, uh, Sometimes you're, you're led to go in different directions and that's what has basically happened. And, um, Hey, God bless Jim. God bless him in his, his endeavors. And, um, and there will be times when, you know, he has something that he wants to say and we'll have him on the show. You know, I don't think there's any hard feelings. There's none on this end and there doesn't seem to be any on his end. So, um, there, I said it. That's what's going on. OK, but um, anyway, a lot of people would like to speculate that, you know, we had a big falling out, that there was an argument or anything else. There, were, there was none of that. Um, it's just that uh, sometimes you outgrow something or you um, you branch off and you go a different direction. Um, and uh, that's basically what's happened. Um, I can't. And I can't continue to I have some things that I believe in that that Jim doesn't believe in and there's some things that um he believes in that um I I don't and sometimes when uh you have a subject that you want to bring up, those two things are gonna conflict. Okay. And um the last thing that Jim and I want is conflict. Okay. Uh, we're brothers in the Lord and, um, you know, we, we both feel that we might share some kind of common ancestor, maybe five or six generations back from Denmark or something, but, um, it's just that when, when, um, when you have two different ideas that oppose one another, um, you can't introduce them into a subject matter. And there, there are a few subject matters that I would like to introduce, but, I can't have something on there that um, opposes what I believe um, in. Well, that's all I'm going to say about that. But anyway, um, so, you know, I wish him the best uh, of everything. And uh, the time has come where he's able to financially afford his own show and his own Zoom uh, Sunday church. And um I'm glad that he's been on the show for as long as he has. As you know, we've, we've had our fallings out a couple of times, but uh, we've never developed it into a hatred or anything like that. We, it was more of a, you believe what you believe. And I believe what I believe. And um, the Lord has always brought us back together uh to opposing the matrix as, as a format. So um, I sent him a, uh, he posted something on Facebook today and I, I uh, sent him a prayer that the, the Lord blesses his endeavor and this new ministry that he's starting and that uh, I hope it works out well for him and uh, that uh, he'll always be in my prayers and that I love him. So, um, anyway, it goes much deeper than that, um, you know, but, uh, uh, there comes a point where, um, where gaps start to develop, and um, rather than have the gaps divide us, it's better that um, you know he goes his way and, and we go our way, and, um, and and I think that's better. That way, nobody leaves with hard feelings, and and uh, I do hope that he, you know, like Spock would say, lives long and prospers in what he does. Um, Jim's the kind of guy that can start anything up and make it work. So praise the Lord. And, um, and I hope he does that with this new endeavor, but, um, Brian will be coming on full time. Um, Brian is an awesome individual, a, a very blessed man. He, um, he's pastored before he's got the gift of prophecy. He's, um, he he he's given a lot of words to a lot of people that have actually come true. So, um, it's, it's, it's going to be neat to have him on there and he's up to date uh, with current events and, um, totally agrees with the things that we've been talking about on opposing the matrix. And, and, um, I'm looking forward to working with him. Um, I know him indirectly, but, uh, uh, we share relatives, so to speak. Um, And, uh, so it'll it'll be really neat to have him on here. Um, he's very level headed, very softly spoken and, um, and he likes to work with me, likes to run, we likes to run things by me and me by him before we, uh, implement anything. So, um, and another thing that may happen, I don't know if it will, but, uh, Brian and I are both are, are uh messianic in nature we don't push it on people but um we we observe the the Hebrew holidays uh, as well as the Christian holidays um we uh you know we we know Yeshua as our lord and savior you'll hear me using that term a lot more often i didn't want to use it too much around Jim because i you know, I was afraid that he would think that I was going off into Messianic land on him and and I just wanted to be fair and I'll be fair with you and tell you the same thing. Um, but um, so when you hear Yeshua we're actually talking about Jesus, Jesus Christ, the biblical Jesus Christ, okay? Just with his Hebrew 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 vernacular. Um and um So we'll probably be doing shows where we compare a lot of things that are happening with, uh, uh, fulfillment of, uh, festive holidays, uh, both prior fulfillment and future fulfillment. Um, although we won't stick to that all the time, we'll be talking about current events a lot and how it applies to the scriptures. Just like we did with Jim. And, um, so we'll go from there. But, um, I know we have loyal listeners and always have, and and I pray that uh, you won't be just loyal listeners to me, but that you'll also listen to Jim in a, in a loyal and and faithful manner, and and uh, and uh, just bless him by um, sending him kudos and congrats and stuff from time to time. Um, so anyway, with that stuff having been said and out in the open now. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go ahead and end the show. If you have any questions, um, <clears throat> you can send email to, uh, oh, I have so many email addresses, uh, haganah007 at uh, gmail.com. That's H-A-G-A-N-A-H-007 at gmail.com. Or if you want to do it the easy way, just go to the the delusion resistance website and you'll, you'll see a contact button there and just hit that. It's probably be a better way to do it. It sends it to my account there, which has a different and long name to it. But um, uh, let me know if you have any ideas. Uh, let me know if you have any um, thoughts or concerns. Um, but I'm just letting you know now about what's going on, what's happened and um, how, um, how it's going to go. So, uh, bless the name of the Lord, and his name is Yeshua HaMashiach, or Jesus Christ. So, y'all have a wonderful and uh, blessed day tomorrow and the rest of the week, and uh, have a blessed weekend, and I will talk to you, we will talk to you, me, Eric, and um, Brian on Monday night. So, uh, God bless, and uh, talk to you soon. Good night.